Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 117 of the podcast, and today I'm joined by John O'Sutherland from Changing the Game Project. Now, for those who haven't heard of John, he is doing amazing work, and with Changing the Game Project, it is all over the world now. He's impacting coaches, uh, players, teachers, parents um, in a really powerful way. Now, he started out, uh, he's been a professional soccer player uh, for over two decades. He's coached at the, uh, obviously, school level, high school level, college, state, professional. He's done it all. And through that, um, he's a best-selling author. With his, uh, He's got two books out and he's also writing a third at the moment. Um, he's a TEDx speaker. And not only that, he's got an amazing podcast, which I just absolutely love uh, listening to each week, um, Ways of Champions, where he interviews some uh, of the best sporting minds going out there, uh, strength and conditioning people, educators, you name it, he gets them on there. So I really have wanted to chat to John for a long time just to pick his brain about everything that he's learned over his journey and um, from obviously starting changing the game uh, seven years ago now, he's going to share a wealth of knowledge. So this is awesome for teachers, coaches, parents. Um, there's so much information you'll be able to take away and start actioning today. So get a pen and paper out. This is an episode you are going to really enjoy. Alrighty guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited today. I've got John O'Sutherland. How are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm excited to be talking to a friend on the other side of the world. Now, we are completely different sides of the world. I think it's uh, yesterday was about 39 degrees over here um, and absolutely scorching. And you've just said it's snowing in Oregon. Yeah, when we get off, I'm going to go shovel. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm here sweating and you're probably freezing. So I think uh, really good contrast. But we're going to have a great conversation. I'm really excited now. You're doing so much amazing work, mate. I, I literally, when I get a, a guest, I, it's pretty straightforward where to start. But you've got so many just epic things going on. Uh, you're coaching, you're an author, you've got the podcast, you've done your TEDx talk. Um, how do you fit it all in, mate? I'm not really sure because I, somehow I fit in like an hour of yoga today um, and uh, and I came back and I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm way behind today. Holy cow. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I, I just I I changing the game project is a passion project for me. I got out of full time coaching where someone else controlled my schedule and um, built and now with a great team of people have, have built, uh, you know, up a, a company and a mission and a movement that really is, hey, you know, this fits into my life, not trying to fit my life into this. Right. So I, I guess I'm on the road a lot. And yes, we're producing all this content and our podcast and everything. But realistically, um, I get to do a lot of that work from home, uh, you know, hometown and be around my family, coach my own kids in sports, um, have dinner with my family every night, which is uh, the most important thing to me. And yes, then I'm on the road. And uh, so sometimes I don't. But, uh, you know, it's we live in this world where there's lots of avenues and your platform can be far bigger than your office building. 
Yeah, and again, I think that's yep. what Change the Game Project has. I, I, I love that, and I think that's the beauty of uh, the world we're living in at the moment, that the you've got so much potential and possibility with uh, social media and the internet and everything like that. Now, 2012 come around, you were obviously you played professional soccer, you've been coaching, I know you coached pro- at uh, what we call primary school, but um, lower school, high school, college, professional. Um, what, what was the turning point that said, right, I'm going to start Changing the Game Project? You know, the the turning point was a, a couple of things. Number one, being a, a father of young children. So looking at sport, not just now from the perspective of an athlete or a coach, but looking at as the parent of a child in sport and saying, what kind of experience and what kind of environment do I want my child to have? Um, a little bit of, of burnout, not necessarily from the direct coaching piece, but just the, the politics around sport. And, and talking to my colleagues within sport, mostly in the sport of soccer, which is what I played, and asking them, like, yeah, everyone was talking about the same problems, but no one was trying to solve them. I said, well, there might be this opportunity here to influence more people than just this team or this club or this town. And I like to write. I like to research. I like to talk. Um, maybe I, I can be that person. And so it, you know, I put pen to paper on on a book in May of 2012. And by you know the next year, it was out. And I was speaking and and writing blogs. And you know, like you said, we live in this funny world where you know the, your first couple of blogs or your first couple of podcasts, like you're just hoping that your mom listens to it and reads it, you know, and, <laughs> so and then sure. all of a sudden, like you're looking at the, the analytics of it and wow, that one had a thousand views. Wow. That one had 10,000 views. And then all of a sudden one had 10, you know, a hundred thousand and then a million. And, you know, I was lucky enough early on to sort of give people an opportunity to join our email list, to get some free stuff to stay connected with us. And so we were able to slowly but surely and very organically build like a nice platform for our blogs and for our, then our podcast, uh, which, you know, we're, we just hit episode 100 this week. So I can't believe I showed up for a hundred straight weeks and got something out, but we did. <laughs> oh, and, and that's one of the, one of the main reasons and how I feel like I know you is, uh, through your podcasts and, um, way of champions. I love it. I love the guests you've had on there. And, um, I, I did want to talk about one episode that, uh, really hit home with me recently. I think it was a, I think it was your first one back this year, um, with Alan Stein Jr. And, um, there's a story on there and we are going to talk about you, John, but I just think this story is so powerful. And I know you use it in your speaking engagements and you talk about it a little bit, but Steph Curry, when he was really young and, um, there was, I think Alan told about the story where um, he wouldn't leave training until he hit, uh, was it like five perfect swish free throws or something like that? Do you want to Do you want to just sort of, I know people, and I'll have a link to that, it's episode 96, and you can go back and listen to that because the whole episode was fantastic and the questions you were asking were awesome. But um, just that story really hit home with me. Yeah, it's a fantastic story. And, and just for background for your listeners, Alan Stein was a strength and conditioning coach in the basketball world and worked with people like Kevin Durant when they were very young and was a coach at Nike at uh, Kobe Bryant's Nike skills camps. And that's where he first crossed paths with Steph Curry. And, and a couple of years ago, Alan created this great video that just really resonated with me. And I'll show it to, to kids a lot of um, this idea of, you know, do the do your habits today match your dreams for tomorrow, 
right? And and he tells that story about how Steph Curry, from a very young age, he's not the best shooter on the planet because he decided to work hard at shooting a couple of years ago. He's been doing it every day since he was a kid. And, you know, and from a very young age, he showed up early, he'd stay late, but he always challenged himself that, you know, I will swish five free throws before I leave the court. And some days you might swish your first five and some days that might be shots, you know, 98, you know, through 103. But just holding yourself to that high standard day after day is a habit that adds up over time and over time and over time. And that's what true excellence is and that's where it comes from. And so we live in this world where we see the highlight reel and kids say, I want to be that guy. But, you know, that guy was made, you know, in the dark with no cameras watching. Are you willing to do that? And 99% of people realistically are not. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I know a lot of people, uh, I'll call them gunners. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But they won't put in the work to actually get there. And um, seeing Steph Curry now hitting, you know, 50, 40 points a game, that's people think it's easy. But the work that he's put in before that, and um, I think the quote, and this might be off the cuff a little bit wrong, is like your, your standards that you, you set determine where you end up. And um, I really hit home with that. And I suppose that's not just for kids. That's for, that could be in the corporate world, teaching, coaching, at home anywhere couldn't it yeah exactly and and i think the quote that alan uses and uh you know success is not an accident success is a choice yeah. right and and it's these cho- little choices that we make day after day in our marriage in our parenting in our work in how we take care of ourselves that really add up to you know getting what you want out of this or saying coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I think it's just, it's very easy to use athletes or teams as examples for these lessons because a lot of people can resonate with sports, but there's plenty of examples um, in all aspects of our lives of what true excellence is if we just take the time and look. Yeah, and I think uh, I think why that story is so great is because everybody will know if you not even if you were watching basketball, but um, growing up as a junior, Steph Curry was uh, people didn't even really know his name, but then he's obviously put in so much work and he worked hard, he trained harder, he did all the one percenters, and that's where he's got now. So obviously, Alan Stein, and I know there's so many other amazing guests you've had in your hundred episodes. Um, is there any other uh, really like that? Obviously, sticks and really resonates with me. Is there any other like? stories like that or takeaways that um you have just gone wow that is so powerful from the podcast oh uh yeah i mean there's so many of them um and i'm sure that's your experience as well you get to spend this time with just these incredible people and you know in my case world cup champions olympic gold medalists you know coaches at the highest level sports psychologists sports science you know, strength and conditioning people, you know, people who are really at the at the top. And so I have so many stories. And, and actually what's really interesting is I'm working on another book right now. And so I've been going through my podcasts and deciding, OK, that one is like a book chapter right there. Or there are some quotes in that one that will fit in a couple of different chapters. And so I've been, you know, getting them transcribed. So I was I didn't at first I was listening to them and trying to type really fast. And that never worked <laughs> out. Right. And so and so now I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to pay for it and I'll get them transcribed. So I have this absolute gold in in, in front of me. 
Um, I mean, just the, you know, we re- like I said, we released episode 100 this week and I had a guy named Joe Ehrman on and Joe Ehrman wrote a book called Inside Out Coaching, which was absolutely transformational for me as a coach and uh, a woman they works with now named Jody Redman on this Inside Out initiative and how they can create not just, you know, we can't just educate coaches, but how do we create systemic change so that sport starts becoming an education, an extension of the educational mission of schools. They work in schools rather than the antithesis of it. And just like things that he said on there about how the social contract of what sport is supposed to be for youth has kind of been broken by the business of sport and how it's imperative for us to fix it. I mean, I had the director of coaching from Belgium soccer on talking about, you know, the most important thing that we should ask ourselves is who's in front of me, right? If I'm working with children and the things that I'm doing fulfill his or her needs, values and priorities or not, because if they don't, I probably shouldn't be doing them. And and so we've had so many guests. I mean, authors like Dan Coyle and Jessica Leahy and uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I I have a hundred episodes and it'd be a shame to leave anyone out. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot. Sorry, mate. (laughs) Exactly. But, but, but your question's timing is good because I've really been going through them and there's not really any episodes I get to, you know, I might find stuff that I'm like, ah, this doesn't really fit this book, but it's still really good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, some of, we've only had one repeat guest that was a guy named Mark Bennett, a coach educator from England and a former commandos trainer. And so Mark's so good that I've had him on twice. And so, uh, yeah, he, he's changed the way that I coach and I interact with the players that I'm still involved with. Um, so I'd be remiss if I didn't say his name because I did think you'll be the first guy to come back on. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. And I suppose it, it was a very hard question. I know when I listen back over the guests and um, the reason being is that uh, I obviously get people on that I want to learn from and I want to talk with. And the questions that I'll ask the guests are ones that I want to obviously learn about. So um, I'm sure you're in the same boat now. Um, one thing I love watching TEDx talks and I watched yours, I think I think it was last year at some stage about obviously youth sport. And one of the things that was, it just blew my mind and obviously being a teacher, a coach, myself, um, 70% of kids drop out of organized athletics or sports by the age of 13. Now, that is insane. It's a, it's a pretty crazy number. And um, I think most people, if you look around at your local organizations and how many teams of nine-year-olds do you have versus teams of 14-year-olds, you know, you, you see that in your organizations. And there's lots of reasons kids walk away from sport, right? Some of it is um, maybe they picked another sport or some of it is that they do theater or art. But there's far too many children walking away from sport because they're, they're, they're burned out, they're injured, they they never own the experience and, and they just they hate sport. And from a if we look at, you know, this sport as this one little part of what I think is the next great international movement, which has to be wellness. Right. And activity, because we're going down um, a, 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 a pathway with regards to obesity and and inactivity that's unsustainable for the world health system unless we do something about it. Um, the, the amount of people who walk away from all sport forever because of bad childhood experiences is, is far, far too high. And that's really the mission of what Changing the Game Project is all about, trying to, trying to change, is can we 
educate coaches? Can we educate parents to help make this experience a better one? Yeah, and I think that's a mission that uh, is still something that we're still trying to solve and uh, with projects like yourself and I I know I've had uh, Richard Shorter on here from Non-Perfect Dad and things like that that obviously advice for parents because um, as a coach and parent and and just watching all this going on some of the things you see are just you can see why kids don't want to play anymore and um, I think half the time it's because parents don't actually realise what they're doing so um, for parents listening do you have a, a couple of little tips I know I'm not going to steal it but on your TEDx talk you've got five words that parents should say to kids and I absolutely love that it is so simple but I think it's so powerful yeah and and those words were words that a great coach educator and friend of mine Bruce Brown I'd saw him do a talk about this and he said you know afterwards you should just be telling your kids I love watching you play Right. And so, yeah, I put that in my TED talk and I think people give me credit for it, but I got it for Bruce and, uh, you know, and Bruce probably got it from someone else. And (laughs) I mean, ultimately telling your kids that you love watching them act, love watching them play music, love watching them play sport, love going camping with them. I mean, that's pretty much in the Bible, I think. Right. Like this is not this new thing, but yet so often we want to teach, we want to make it better. We want to turn the car ride home into a teachable moment. And this is where just telling your kids, I love watching you play. What would you like for lunch is the best thing we can do afterwards. And, and if we do that, it opens the door for them to pick the time and place to say, Hey dad, how do you think I did today? And that's them saying, and I'm ready to hear it. Right. But when we turn the car ride home into a prison, um, or we're constantly expressing our disappointment or, Hey, they just won the championship, but all we want to do is tell them everything they did wrong. That's a pretty surefire recipe that your kid's going to end up hating the sport. Yeah, because deep down they're they're well aware of uh, their performance, how they how they went, what they added to the team, um, and the outcome. They don't need uh, to be grilled about it then. And I think the power of those five words that I love watching you play it allows uh, the child to uh, ponder on that. And if they want to talk about it, they can. But there's no threatening conversation or allegation that um, I know too often happens in cars, John. Oh, definitely, and I think. You know, children in sports are very childlike. And what I mean is they are very much in the moment. It's about enjoyment. When it stops being enjoyable, they don't want to do it anymore. And they move on quickly from one thing to another. And, and parents oftentimes in sports are very childish. Yeah, they <laughs> you know, are. Yes. They, they can't move on. They 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 look at this as a reflection of bad parenting. They... um don't sleep well. And I, I point the finger at myself like, I'm, uh, you know, but I think it's amazing to watch kids, how they sort of see it in the big picture of we're not supposed to win all our games and not every day is supposed to be unicorns and rainbows. So I move on and I'll go to practice this week and I'll keep learning and try to get better. Um, and it's us parents who look at it as like, you know, the sky is falling if we don't fix this right now. So as soon as we get home, we're going out in the backyard to <laughs> yeah. fix your batting or fix your whatever. And, you know, that's when kids are just like, uh, can I just like eat dinner? Yeah. Oh, can can I just be a kid? You know, I've been playing sports all day. Yeah. Can can I do something that is fun that uh, isn't all about you? And I think too often um, what I see is that 
parents may not have been as successful as they'd like in sport and then they have a son or daughter that comes along John and you would see this all the time and um, they start living their life through their kid and as you said that's why 70% probably drop out because of burnout or over expectation or just a pressure that is applied to them and instead of going and loving sport they're they're throwing the other way and they actually hate it exactly and there is peer-reviewed research on this of you know, basically a direct correlation between parents' unfulfilled dreams in sport and the likelihood of them trying to live vicariously through their own children. So, you know, I've talked to people many times, you know, one of the most damaging words in sport is like this idea of elite and people start talking about their kid being elite. And maybe that's just a word we use in America. No, I think or, it's Australia too, right? You know, but they have no idea what elite truly is. They've never watched and, and seen up close what a, a truly elite Olympic professional athlete looks like. Um, and the fact is, you know, with the exception of maybe like figure skating and gymnastics, certainly in Aussie rules or rugby or soccer or any of these games, there's no such thing as an elite 12-year-old. Because if they were an elite 12-year-old, they'd be playing professionally. <laughs> but you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that that's happened. Right? No, so <laughs> it's not. They're pretty good for 12, but they're not elite. Yeah, and that's right. And, and so much can happen in those years, particularly if uh, given wrong advice or pressure is applied. So um, I think that's really important, parents listening along, that those five words, and, and go and listen to John's TEDx talk because um, I think it's extremely powerful. Now, John, you've obviously played professionally, you've coached, now you coach coaches, you, you do it all. Um, what who, Have you got one or two best coaches that have had the biggest impact on your life or a mentor or something like that? Well, I would say one of the most impact, impactful coaches uh, of my life. I, I'm going to give you give you three. Okay. You know, number one was um, a guy named Tom Bright, who is taught me to play soccer, taught me to play golf. Right. And just had him when I was very young. He made it fun. He taught us lots of stuff. Uh, I, I just always remember him smiling and, and just like he understood it, like he understood why we were there. And no surprise. Right. He was a teacher. Right. And so he understood children, not just a sport. Um, so he was amazing. Um, number two, I have to give my dad credit. I mean, my dad, you know, was coaching and, you know, by today's standards, he was probably pretty tough on me. It worked for me maybe better than some of my siblings. Um, but I was the kid who always brought it up in the car and wanted to know how, how, how I did. Um, but I always appreciated my dad's honesty. If he said I played well, I played really well. I yes. could never stand the coaches who said, oh, you did great today. And I'm like, I didn't do great today. I was terrible today. Um, so I always appreciated him. And then, you know, I had an amazing coaching role model mentor, um, a guy that I'm hoping to get on the podcast here soon. His name was Jerry Yeagley, and he was the men's soccer coach at Indiana University, just uh, a gem of a human being. And I just remember being a young coach and going to work at his camp and um, looking around at all these, you know, amazing people there and then getting to talk to him. And he made me feel like the most important person in the room. Right. And this is a guy who had won multiple national championships and, you know, the most successful winningest, you know, coach in soccer history and collegiate sports in the U.S. And just every time you saw him, 
you know, he, he made you feel important. He knew my wife's name. He knew about my kids. He did all this and he just had this presence about him. And if anyone knows him, you ask them the same questions, they say the same thing. And so what he taught me was this idea that, you know, when you are present and when you connect with your athletes or your fellow coaches, that's when you really influence people because then they want to do stuff for you because of that connection. And he models it. He lives it every day. His son's a fantastic coach right now as well. I'm trying, you know, who's won national championships. So I'm trying to get them both on my podcast, but you know, Jerry is certainly a person who showed me, um, you know, what does it feel like to be in the presence of a great coach? Yeah, I, I love that. And, and I think deep down it comes down to listening, paying attention, and that he, he really cares. Um, are they Obviously, I think that can be applied to anything in life. If, if you're really listening, you're taking things in, whereas I think a lot of people, um, instead of listening, they're already anticipating what they're going to say next. So with Jerry there, obviously, they are great qualities, making everybody feel important, not just focusing on the superstars, but um, actually taking invested time to really promote everybody in the program. So, um, and I mentioned, I know you mentioned your first coach, obviously making it fun. Um, your dad was hard on you. What, what are the, what qualities do you think all coaches should be non-negotiable? And I know John, that different coaches have different styles, but, um, are there different qualities that you think that, um, make up a really successful coach? I think there are, and, and you just touched on, on some of them. And I think, First of all, coaches, we have to realize that, you know, we have our, you know, we have our personality and the way we do things. Um, and that really, you know, we do a lot of work in self-awareness through an organization called Equilibria and e-colors in sport. And we, you know, so we, 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 we talk about being self-aware of our personality, which is how we react, but then we have to also train ourselves how we respond. And so, um, I think it's super important that coaches are great listeners, coaches care and, and connect, that coaches have, you know, knowledge of their sport um, and they have knowledge of people. I mean, this is what children say they want in their coaches. And I, and I think when we, you know, look at that, then that's important. You know, for me, passion, like I feel like I love it still more than the kids that I coach or at least some of them. <laughs> and when I jump in and play with them in practice, like it's very clear that we want to win this game. But I like I feel like a 12 year old again. Right. You know, I just want to play. I want to nutmeg someone. I want to do that. And it's like I think that's contagious on the kids. Like, hey, I'm supposed to love this. I'm supposed to be smiling. You know, this is supposed to be joyful and fun. And so, you know, we do activities in our coaching workshops where we ask them to list the qualities of the best coach they ever had. And the amazing thing about that activity is, you know, 80 to 90 percent of those qualities, when you categorize them, fall under the category of connection rather than knowledge of the sport. And so this is the biggest thing that we encourage coaches to do is it's not just about getting more practices and drills and, and that it's about learning to communicate and, and connect and be passionate and be authentic and be fair and be trustworthy because that's what people remember years later. They remember how you made them feel. 
Yeah, and uh, that's so true in any era. I actually did a, a keynote yesterday for a bunch of new teachers, and um, I call it connection before content because if you don't build a connection, that relationship, the trust with whoever you're working with, it doesn't really matter how knowledgeable you are in the sport, the business field, in the classroom or anything, John, because they, they're probably not listening. They don't have the respect for you, but if you invest that time, like you've just mentioned, um, then you're going to get great results and um, the team unity is going to be awesome. So obviously we've spoken a lot there about coaches um have you got what's the best lesson uh a, a player's taught you along the way man who that's a great question um uh, someone that i've coached or someone that i've played with well either so i i know that uh, a lot of the time you can be um you can get ahead of yourself as a coach or when you're playing and things like that and and sometimes a, a simple lesson it may be a big kick in the guts but it's a it's the biggest kick you need yeah, I mean, it's true, right? So I, I think, you know, I, I remember a kid I coached years and years ago, and he was probably 15 or 16. I was really, really hard on him. I was a young coach. I was super competitive. The way that I think about coaching and leadership now, no one ever taught it to me. I didn't think about it that way. Um, I was being really hard on on this kid in, in a, a, quote, important event, right, a regional championship. And we were already eliminated, and it was our last game. And I was just giving this kid a hard time. And one of his teammates walked up to me and said, hey, coach, you know, that's probably, today's probably the last game he's ever going to play because he's going to quit after this season. So maybe um, you should just make it a little more fun for him. Hmm. And my jaw hit the floor. Yeah. You know, like I that it never crossed my mind that he was going to quit and that, maybe I was the reason. So, I mean, that, yeah, that would be one of those moments where I'm just like, wow, maybe there's something more to this than what I think right now. I wish I could, you know, find the kid and apologize and maybe he remembers that moment or maybe he doesn't. I mean, that's the funny thing, right? Is, is something we say or do can stick with someone the rest of their life and we don't get to pick or choose what that moment is. Yeah. And it's so true. But um, I think the big thing is that obviously what we can do is learn from it. And that's probably one of, that's obviously stuck with you a long time. And look what you're doing now. You're having an impact on so many other coaches, parents, teachers around the world. So they may not get to that same situation again. So um, if that that player is listening, I hope he's going well. Now, um, great advice there, John. I love that. You are... Hopefully there's not like... 50 players listening going, he's talking to me <laughs> <laughs> well it's good that you haven't named him because then it could be open-ended to a few mate <laughs> get a lot of emails here <laughs> um now you're obviously a best-selling author um and i know that you have a lot of authors on your podcast and so um is there any is there maybe one i know this is hard i like reading too but is there any book out there or books besides your own because uh that's a must for all people to read but um is there any books that have had a huge impact on you personally and maybe coaching as well yeah i mean i i think personally you know two books that i've gifted to lots of people usually you know i'll, I'll gift them to um kids who I've coached who have maybe now gone on to university and they're done and they're just kind of at that time in their life of like, oh my God, what's next? Um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and um, Dan Millman's Way of the Peaceful Warrior are just two books that have like really impacted me as a human being um, and and very, very um, monumental in, in my life. Um, 
from a coaching standpoint, I think I already mentioned Joe Ehrman's inside out coaching. Uh, I think, um, in, in the coaches that we work with, there's depending on what their areas of strength and weakness are, there's some amazing books on coaching and on leadership that are must, must reads, you know, um, Dan Coyle's the culture code is a great one about culture. Um, who's been on the podcast. Uh, uh, I, you know, I hate to say this on an Australian, uh, radio show, but, uh, legacy about the all blacks in rugby <laughs> book culture. So sorry about that. No, I'll that's never, be asked, church. never be asked back, but okay. You know, uh, it, that's just a book that I think is very readable and, and people can relate to of, you know, what, what does great culture look like? Um, so yeah, I mean, those are ones that, that, you know, pop into my head, but I, again, I'm always reading, you know, Carol Dweck's mindset about fixed versus growth mindset. It's a very influential book in how I communicate to athletes and to my own children about, you know, getting them to look at the process and look at, uh, look at, you know, effort being more important than outcomes and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, if, if the video was on here, all you'd see is a wall of books behind me. So that was a very unfair question. No, I, I can imagine that. <laughs> and I'm probably pretty similar. And, um, I know when you, you think about it, it's so hard to narrow them down. And I was, um, I wasn't listening very well then because I was trying to get down those titles you were mentioning. And I hope other people were as well, because if you're not reading, and I know it's so easy today of Audible and all these things, um, it's obviously the best way to learn. So, John, I'm aware of your time, and I know how precious it is. You've got uh, training today as well, mate, even though it's snowing. Um, I've got a couple of questions I like to ask guests just as um, we wrap up. So um, if you could go back to 18-year-old John and you had one bit of advice from uh, all the knowledge you've got now, so from Changing the Game Project, from your podcast, TEDx Talks, from professional soccer, coaching, from creating books, all this, what would that one bit of advice be for your 18-year-old self? Mm, Great question. So 18 was a fascinating age for me in many aspects because right before my 18th birthday, I suffered a really, really bad injury, a, a double leg fracture playing. And it was just this moment of, do I love sport? Do I love this game? Is it worth coming back? Is it worth the pain and suffering it's going to take to overcome this? And also this appreciation of realistically, this sucks for the next year, but some of these people in rehab, they have this, whatever's going on for the rest of their life. So get over it. And, um, you know, you're not dying. Um, so that was a really amazing moment, but I think the advice I would give my 18 year old self would have been appreciate your, your years as an athlete. Cause they come, you know, they, they, they're over pretty soon. So make the most of your time, um, train a little harder, train a little better. I wish I knew a lot of the mental and the training tips that I knew now, know now, um, I think I might've been, uh, better there. But again, you don't appreciate it till you're until go- it's gone. And, yeah. uh, you know, most athletes look back and go, man, what did I leave on the table there? And I'm probably the same way. Yeah, well, you're, you're a long time out of the game when you think about uh, the journey of your life. Um, so if, yeah, if any uh, athletes are listening, I think that's fantastic advice. And um, just final one for you, John, is uh, what do you want to be remembered for, mate? What's the legacy John O'Sullivan wants to leave? Man, you got some good questions here. You can, uh, uh, you can you know, borrow some if you like. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, holy cow. Um, you know, I, I think your 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 legacy is should always be evolving, right? Changing is not the right word, but but evolving. You're not supposed to be the same person that you are, you know, 30 years ago that you are today. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, that I was, uh, you know, a, a loving dad, a, a loving spouse, uh, passionate about work, passionate about play and, and joy and life and, um, you know, authentic and, and just that, you know, he cared about people. That, that's it for me. I think that's a, it's a really nice way to go, mate. And, and by the, the looks from what I've seen, the work you're doing, uh, the impact you're making, that, uh, yeah, you're definitely well on your way to doing that. So where can we find out more about, obviously, yourself, Changing the Game Project, uh, the podcast, Way of Champions, where we want to buy your books, where can we go to get those? Well, I appreciate that opportunity. I mean, the the mothership is changingthegameproject.com, so that's the website that has access to, you know, buy the book, whether you want to get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, or just want to buy a signed copy, uh, has all our online courses that we do for coaching for parents, um, for, um, that kind of stuff links to all the podcast episodes and all our social media. So we've got, you know, pretty big Facebook and Twitter following, and we are finally getting on the Instagram, uh, bandwagon here. I missed it. Well, the bandwagon's long gone. I don't know what we are right now, but, uh, we finally just like, okay, we got to do this. Um, so, but changing the game projects, the best dot com is the best place to find us and then any of those platforms if you look for change the game project you'll you'll find us there and uh yeah and then you know my email just john j-o-h-n at changing the game project.com if someone wants to connect or or interested in in speaking or skype consultation or anything like that that's that's the that goes right to me Perfect. Well, I'll, uh, I'll have all links for those. This is episode 117. Uh, you can find that at energetic.education forward slash podcast. And I'll have everything that John's just mentioned there. So you can go and check it out um, and be sure to follow. I know you've got a huge following on Facebook and Twitter and things. And um, I think Instagram's the, the it thing at the moment. So I'm glad you're uh, all over that. I think you're going to be across all of them. But um, John, for me personally, mate, I'm, I know I've learned so much from today's conversation and, and from following the work you've been doing. Um, uh, so keep making a difference, mate. And, and thanks so much for um, allowing the time today to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate you uh, getting up early and uh, getting me on the podcast or whatever time it is there. But I appreciate giving me the opportunity to share the things that I'm passionate about. So thanks so much, Dale.